When it comes to making a transition, timing is something you might not get to decide. That's what Brandy G of Authentically Be discovered when she made the leap from elementary school teacher to full-time digital creator and influencer. She also learned that when it comes to creating a legacy, time is how you spend it. What does this brand stand for? Are they notoriously known in the industry for not working with Black people? You can tell when they're about to make you a token partnership or a one-off and nothing wrong with partnering with someone for one time. If it looks weird, it smells weird, it's probably weird. What would it look like to follow a dream and trust that wherever you are and whoever you're being is exactly where and who you're supposed to be? Hi, I'm Brandy G, and this is a lesson in being you. Brandy, what is your earliest memory of being creative? I was a little girl, maybe five, six or seven, like somewhere in there. And my mom showed me how to take like scrap fabric, fabric from old t-shirts, and how to make little patterns and make doll clothes out of them. And so that is one of my earliest memories of thinking through a process of what do I want to make? What do I want it to look like? Which doll is this for? And of course, like she taught me how to thread a needle and all the, just the steps it takes to sometimes be creative. Some people think you just go in and you like just do and make which sometimes you do, but sometimes it also takes some learning of some other steps, some preparation. So that's one of the first memories I have of making and creating and going through a creative process before having an end product that I can say, hey, I made this. You started Authentically Be as a Instagram feed to document a cottage renovation. Is that correct? I didn't realize that it started as a design why? I couldn't call it design. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> you use that very loosely. Uh, but yeah, we bought um, a really old house, like 1920s in a historic neighborhood, like here in Texas. And we wanted to buy this little tiny house. It's probably 900 square feet. We were like a little family of three at the time. We only had my son who was now nine and we didn't have the money to pay somebody to do everything. We could only pay people to do things that we absolutely couldn't do, like electrical work and anything that was structural. We could, we would find the money for that, but like painting and just making things prettier, some light fixtures and stuff. Those were things that we ended up, when I say we, I mean me, (laughs) that I end up taking on because at the time I was teaching elementary school and it was the summer when we bought the house. And my husband has always had a really early morning schedule where he starts work at five o'clock in the morning. So he misses morning here at home every morning, but I had the summer off. So I would spend my days at our house and we were also living with my mother-in-law at the time until all like most of the house was done. And we just figured out what we could pay for and what I would have to do. And then I just started doing it. And it, at first it was like really scary because it's a house. It's not, uh, it's not just some little thing. It's, you have to live in here. It needs to be safe. 
<laughs> needs to look good. But as it went on, I would always talk to my my teacher friend. We would hang out in the summer and they're like, oh, what's going on with the house? Blah, blah, blah. And my sister lived out of town at the time too. And so I would always send her pictures, show her pictures, what we're doing. And then it just clicked to me. I feel like I'm going to be making things for this house forever. I'm going to be doing stuff here forever. I'm doing, I'm doing it enough to document it and put it someplace. I started the blog and then Instagram as well. My content was not that great. I had zero of the know-how that I have now when it comes to creating content. So it was dark, it was grainy, it was just not good. And people did not come to my blog for the home content, or they surely didn't come to my Instagram for any home content because it just did, it was it didn't look good. But what grew my following was like me getting out in the community and the other art communities where there are artists, painters, photographers, designers. And I kind of just started to venture out more locally, like in the Houston area to meet people. And the more I did that, I would tell them about what I was doing and I learned about what they were doing. It was a, a word of mouth, really simple, old fashioned way of growing. And it was just networking, really. There must've been a tipping point when it went from word of mouth to full-on strangers. Do you remember, was it a certain piece? Was it a certain year? What happened? It was that segue when I started venturing more into fashion and beauty. Um, my hair actually is natural now. I can't tell. It's bone straight. I had it blown out and straightened. actually did a big chop and cut all of my hair off so that I could grow out my natural hair. And so that was a journey that I was sharing on my blog and that I was sharing via Instagram. And a lot of other people at the time were venturing into that as well. It felt easier back then for people to find natural hair content, to find big chop content when people would big chop their hair. When I started sharing those kind of things, that's when I noticed the strangers or people who I had not met personally being more excited about the content I was creating. And that's how the following grew. And then when it came to fashion, which is hugely now like the basis of, of everything that I do. It was simply someone saying, that's cool that you have that on. I've never seen that before. Where'd you get it? And it's almost like when you start to pay attention to what people ask you for, you, you start to realize possibly where you could focus on something. And that was a consistent question that I was getting or it, it would be more about, I never would have thought to style this that way because my styling tends to be a little unique as well. So I realized like, hey, this is probably something I could share a whole lot more of. You're also passionate about it. I love that you were paying attention to what they were asking you. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And I, I think in addition to paying attention to what others are asking you for, also paying attention to what do you already do naturally? And those were things that were already in my wheelhouse. I was doing it anyway. I probably follow more people now that I've met in person, like you. We met out randomly eating a random lunch and we just got to talking because we ordered the same drink. And I was like, wait, that's my drink. I will say, because you looked so cute. You had this little bull hat on with this cute little dress. You were perfectly matched. Then this giant plate of fries came. And I remember like, <laughs> is so cute I actually thought she you you were probably in production being in LA and then you weren't and then we found out this great story so you kind of proved your point of how you were meeting people we just had a natural connection mm -hmm. and we had other things to talk about but what made you 
make the leap from school teacher to full-time influencer. It actually wasn't a leap. It was more like a push. I got thrusted. I started to make this transition a few years ago when the volume of work and brands reaching out to me and travel opportunities started to come up over and over again. And it was me going to my school director and saying, I really hate to even say this to you, but this is a great opportunity and I need to take it. And the directors of my school are actually, it's two sisters who they co-founded this school together um, because they were looking for a certain type of education for their children and they were unable to find it anywhere in the market. So they created a, a place where they wanted their children to learn that's Reggio-based, just a different approach to education and really project-based. It got to a place where it was like, I need more time off from work than is fair to the children than is fair to the to the other teachers and staff on my team because it's a small school but the consistency of which I was needing though you know needing those type of things was really what showed me it was like hey you need to consider doing one thing or the other and I feel like I'm just a natural born teacher. I love teaching. And even with my blog, there's always an element of, I'd like to show you something, or here's another way to think about something. I just have a different audience. It's not first and second and third and fourth graders who are learning math. It's whoever likes what I do and is willing to stick around to possibly learn something. When you were presented with the opportunity, like, shoot, it's time to take this full time. Were you scared? No, not at all. <laughs> I wasn't scared because it was something that I wanted on a, another level. Not many people know this about me, but when I was 12, which is probably the most awkward time in most people's lives when you're a tween, you've got your five foot six, but your feet are a size 11. I remember being 12 and I was like, I want to be a model. And my parents were like, okay. And they took me to Model Search America. Back when they used to have Model Search America. We just made a little vacation of it. We drove to New Orleans. We did that whole process. And of course, I was too short. I was too round at the time. I was just too black, too everything. They were not checking, especially back then, they were not checking for brown skin girls. At 12, that's a big rejection for a 12-year-old, I would think. But carried on with life and everything. And part of my blog was me realizing and starting when I got into fashion and beauty was like, I've always wanted to be a model. I've always wanted to do this. It just hit me that through this avenue, through Instagram, through my own personal blog and website, I don't have to wait for anybody to hand me a modeling job. I don't have to wait for anything. I can just take whatever resources I have. And, and be my own model and shoot whatever I want to shoot. And so a lot of my content spread through here and there. A lot of it is just beauty content. It's not a focus on the makeup. It's not a focus on the clothes necessarily, but it's just me living out that childhood dream of I'm going to be a model and I'm just going to put on something that I like. I'm going to do my hair in a way. I'm going to do a full style shoot for no reason at all. Besides the fact that that's just what I want to do. Yeah. I and mean, two things I love about that. First, that your parents were so supportive. Okay. Yeah. We're going to just go on a trip to Model Search America. And then the second thing is that we are so committed 
to the how and we give up on our dreams way too early mm-hmm. because internal force tells us, oh no, you can't have that or be that or do that. And look, here you are in this moment, not only a quote unquote model physically, but a model in terms of value, a model in terms of what is possible. So there's a whole other level of modeling that is much more profound than what you could have ever had in the moment of Model Search America. Literally delivered you your heart's desire in a past did not expect and could not have anticipated because it was unfolding. One of the things I love about your content is how authentic it is, but it's beautiful, right? So first there's the visual representation and there's something again about being seen as you are in this moment, being visible, giving images and emotions to experience that has previously been not shown with the frequency. And so you have this shot of you and it's at the hotel that we were staying at. Beautiful, looking very chic with a beverage. And then you say, we don't need a reason for our bodies to be the way that they are. My breasts sag because I've been pregnant and breastfed my children. The statement is true for me. There are plenty of people with breasts that sag that have never been pregnant or breastfed. And that is 1000% normal. Gravity is undefeated. So even if it didn't experience those things, eventually they would still sag. And I love this. Then you you go on to talk about bodies coming in every shape and size. You also have beauty disclaimers, hashtag beauty disclaimers on your photos, which I also love saying I'm wearing foundation, brow pencil, blush, highlighter, mascara, and lipstick. My natural 4C hair is blown out and secured in a high ponytail with a curly half wig. And the image was edited for color. I love this. Tell me why that decision to post in that way. I feel like I'm so emotional listening to you read (laughs) things that I've written. (laughs) It was 2018. And I don't remember what the moment that it came to me. And of course, I was a teacher of six and seven and eight and nine-year-olds, you know, 10-year-olds, even some of them in sixth grade, middle school, 12-year-olds. And we talked about beauty things and fashion things at school all the time. And some of my students, I feel older saying that my kids are old enough to have Instagram, but they do. And I never wanted them either like through their parents to see something that I posted and feel less beautiful or feel like that's just how Miss Brandy looks. That's how I do look similar, but I don't wake up looking like this. And there's a process for every, everything that you see, whether it's in person, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on YouTube, when there's this perfectly well-lit house and the flowers are in just the right spot, it's because it's designed to be that. And so I never wanted, especially any of my younger followers or anybody who just consume my content, I never, ever wanted them to look at anything I post and be confused as to how I got it to look the way it looks. 
it doesn't sound like it's pressure for you to present in the way that you want to present, but do you right. feel that's a cultural expectation for you to present like that, or it's a personal motive? And then combined with that, did you feel, because yes, you're, most people would look at you and say, oh, she's aesthetically beautiful. Did you feel that? growing up growing up I've always had like really good self-esteem about myself I feel like everybody has different moments and experiences there were times where I didn't feel my best or like a, a good example is when I first cut my hair from my hair being relaxed to it being natural I have had long hair my entire life and part of my life I would say I got my first relax when I was like nine or ten so my hair had always been very long, very thick, and it's completely insane, number one, to just think about a time in my life where I didn't even know that there was another option in how I could wear my hair. It's just you don't think about it. You don't see it. That's why I feel like seeing is believing and visual cues are super important. Not knowing is cultural because we are schooled that the straight hair and I had the relaxer too, right? The relaxer, all kinds of things. And the straight long hair is like the way to look. But yes, that's a really good point to make is that you didn't even have the belief that you could be anything else than what that is. I didn't even know. When I tell you it was not up there, it was not in my mind. I never thought it. I never saw it. Because when you live in the community that you lived in, what's around you is what's around you. And especially growing up, you may not even be really be paying attention to how other people are wearing their hair when most people around have their hair exactly like yours and share the same experience as you when it comes to their hair. And when I did cut it off, there was not to my face, but there were things said when I was not in the room, when I was not there from extended family members, we get together at gatherings and stuff, something to the effect of you look like a boy, you look like a little boy and now you have to wear makeup. You have to wear makeup and put big earrings on, like big earrings. So nobody is confused about who you are and what you are. You know, just things like that. And of course, that makes you feel like that you're not happy with how you look. But I was also pretty solid in the decision that I was making. And psychologically, I was like, they have an issue with this, not me. I did this because this is what I wanted. And if they want to stay stuck if they want to hate themselves on that type of level to where they would project their hate onto me that's not my business what is so great about that though is that is the content that brought you the following is that being open to this way of being you'd never experienced before that you became the gateway for that for other people and that's what grew your following is just speaks to the interconnectedness of it. And or I, I do believe that we're following the pieces, the breadcrumbs of the vision as they come to us. We don't always know our impact. We don't know our longevity, but that you could be from this vantage point, a black woman in this moment, living her joy so beautifully and profoundly doing whatever she chooses, traveling, having in this particular country where there has been so much I don't even know what I need to say but that you could be in this moment just fulfilled you are your ancestors wildest dreams I don't know if you feel that absolutely every day all the time this is what they say all the time it's back to what mom taught you with the clothes beauty is a process to be beautiful 
I love that you took the care to explain that. The permission to show people what it looks like, because when you, or at least the clients I work with, believe that influence is about perfection. Influence is about showing up every day, looking perfect. And I know there are accounts that have blown up because they're not so shiny pretty because they're showing real women's experience. But you're taking this more seriously. You really embrace the teaching role. So was that an, that was a conscious decision, obviously, but has anything happened unexpectedly with someone who you've reached by what you've written? Oh yeah. People meet me out and say, like, you look the same, you sound the same, you move the same. And I, a thousand percent. I love that because that's my intent. There's also been times when people, they say your content got me through a really hard time, or I just look forward to seeing your content because it's the bright spot in my day. I know you're going to post every day around seven o'clock. It's going to be bright and cheery and how I want to start my day. You know, it varies from experience from person to person, but there's definitely been situations that just make my heart melt. Just because you, you can imagine that you maybe reach people like that, but more people are touched by more than the people who actually come to you and say, you've impacted me. I feel like those people don't always come to you and say, hey, I love that you did this. How do you make decisions when it comes to brand partnerships? And we've talked about this before on the podcast that because of George Floyd, there was a real focus and attention in the way that it's never been before on mm -hmm. really being an ally with Black companies, with really giving them opportunity. Some creators have said they just got an explosion of offers, but that those offers weren't necessarily aligned with their value. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious how do you make decisions when it comes to brands and then balancing it with, I'm going to make beautiful content and engaging content for my followers, but I also need to pay my bills. The first thing I look at is number one, am I actually already using this product? Is this the product that I would actually try? Is this something I would actually do? Because I am who I am and naturally I'm an adventurous person. I'm going to try everything, but I'm not going to try it and say, I love this. There are lots of brands and lots of people who want to share things with you and offer things to you. And it's always just ask yourself a few questions to even decide if it's a gift. Is this a gift I want to receive? Do I actually want this? Do I like this? Would I use this? And also going back to what you were saying, looking at the brand itself, I go to that brand's website. I look at their mission. I look at their representation on social and on their website. What does this brand stand for? Are they notoriously known in the industry for not working with Black people? You can tell when they're about to make you a token partnership or a one-off and nothing wrong with partnering with someone for one time. If it looks weird, it smells weird, it's probably weird. And so you pay attention to those things. And I, I do feel fortunate that in the last few years that Black content creators and, and Black people everywhere have gotten a thrust and a push. And 
with more people who are showing up as allies, it makes it easier for us to, to stand up for ourselves and say, can you share with me how many Black and more people of color are working at your company? Can you share with me how many other Black content creators you plan to partner with after me? Because it seems like I'm going to be the first. It just gives you more push to ask those questions that in the past, you might've felt like a question like that would have gotten you shut down or have a brand walk away because they don't want to answer your question. But now it's the expectation. They're not surprised when you ask a question regarding diversity. And so I feel very fortunate to be at this stage in my career where the bar is set there. I did have a client who's Canadian ask the question about, so what do you think about Black Lives Matter? What do you think about commitment to diversity? And he responded that he didn't think the problem existed in Canada, which is false. Mm -hmm. So that really changed her decision about working with them because they didn't have an understanding of, of the truth of her experience. Your children are on the feed. I have a nine-year-old son and I have an almost two-year-old daughter. I love that your children are in the feed. They're so amazing. How do they handle it? And then how do you handle that? With my son, because he's older, he has more voice and more choice. And I simply presented to him, hey, we have this to shoot. Do you want to shoot it or not? Try not to force or push him working with me because it's my job after all. And then the same way that people offer me payment, if I'm asking him to do a job, I offer him payment as well. So if I'm getting paid and he's getting paid. Or if, if it's not paid and I'm just like shooting pictures and I'm like, hey, do you want to do this? If he says yes, I'd be like, great. I always say thank you. I always don't push it to a point where he's unhappy doing it. Now my two-year-old, I just put her on something and hope, you know, that for the best, she's not going to smile when you say, say cheese. She's going to do whatever she wants to do anyway. So it's just, it's bring her along and see if, if she wants to cooperate at the time to kind of bring the vision that I had in mind to life. If the shot is her, like one eye closed, then that's what it is. It's just, that's just how it's going to be. It's interesting because he's part of the vision, sometimes visually, but behind the scenes, because when we were at the restaurant in LA, we were talking, you were there for work and having kind of a mommy moment. And Cindy, who is my friend, asked you about husband and child care what's your take on that we're telling cindy they're with their dad <laughs> they are with their father they have a father and i am not 100 percent in charge of care for these kids because they are both of our kids now we do have an amazing village between like his mom and my sister who if i'm traveling and like i said he has that work schedule that's a little bit crazy for morning so he can't drop the kids off they help us with dropping off and if it's the weekend they're with them we do have help but i feel very thankful that he's the type of father that he is he never makes me feel like i can't go work or i can't go do whatever i need to do for my job because the kids need care there are like things that even we laugh at together when we hear them said, if someone says, oh, I'm ba like, if a guy's, I'm babysitting my kids and we'll just laugh and go, you're not babysitting. Those are your kids. But I'm glad that that is his perspective. And it's, I feel like at different times in your career as a family, it's just going to be a little bit of trade-off because years back he had crazy work hours. And so I was taking, our grant was four or five at the time, you know, he went to the same school that I was teaching at. So 
Me and Grant spend all day together. We wake up together. We go to school. We drop off. I pick him up. We do homework. And Mike would still be at work later in the evening. By the time he gets home, Grant's in bed. And we do this every day for a week until the weekend. And so there were different times where I was doing primary care for the kids because of schedules. But that's a natural kind of influx and ebb and flow of, of family life and dynamics and with work. I don't know. I feel like I... I put my time in with all of these kids and so has he, and it's just part of life. But a lot of moms feel like they can't step away. You're modeling, you're just by virtue of being just yourself, which I want to talk about that because that's the name of your brand. It's not the name, but it's the spirit behind your brand is, Mm -hmm. is so revolutionary. It's the simplicity of, which is the, at the heart of branding, quite frankly, the simplicity of being yourself is at what is so profound. So tell me about the BU collection. The BU collections that I make, I really started with them because I wanted a physical manifestation of my brand that was a constant sort of daily reminder for people to be themselves. Because when you think about it, there are so many constant daily reminders out there in the world that tell you that you are not good enough. You're too tall. You're too short. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You don't have enough kids. You have too many kids. Your house is too small. Your house is too big. It's every single thing that you do is a problem. Somebody like out there, the powers that me that be have decided what's perfect and what's enough and what's not enough. And people really lean into that. And so I wanted something visual, a piece of clothing, a garment, which is what I decided to work on, have coffee mix. I'm also a coffee drinker. Of course I did a mug because I drink coffee like almost every morning, but just this reminder because there's makeup ass that says maybe she's born with it. Maybe she's not. I just wanted something out there that was a reminder to just be you. A lot of my pieces have it on there seven times because there's this like old saying, like say something, do something seven times so that you remember it. And a lot of the pieces, you know, have the be you on there seven times. It can be like a little piece of your day or a daily ritual. I just think about it as starting your day with being solid in, in who you are and what you feel. That way when you go out into the world and somebody's like, oh, you're not good enough or you need makeup, you need more makeup. You need to buy this product to cover up that and you need this for that, that you've already started your day with, with BU. We ask everybody to complete the sentence. My wish for every other woman is. For them to love themselves, that's all. Because I feel like once you love yourself, it dramatically changes the trajectory of your life. Like the decisions you make when you love yourself are completely different than the ones you would make if you don't. You have all of the answers when you ask the right questions. Be visible. Speak your truth. Every other woman needs you to lead.
Voice Lessons is produced, written, and spoken by me, Kim Cutable. It's also produced and edited by Sergio Miranda and associate produced by Jessica Manalga. You can find out when we post new episodes when you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And if you liked what you've heard, we would love it if you leave us a review. For other inspiration, updates, and show notes, subscribe at voicelessonspodcast.com. Thank you.